Now we're taking church to a new level this morning, aren't we? Look at the back. Oh, can't, no, every, everybody look at it. It brings tears to your eyes. Oh, look, went over some people's heads. Uh, sorry about that. It's only one tear. It brings a tear to my eye. There you go. Keep going. Oh, what? You want, what, you have the pun roll? Here we go. <laughs> That's it. Hey, my name's Nathan, for those of you that don't know me. Um, I've got a, a very interesting question. Who's never heard me preach before? Quite a lot of people. So just, just a little bit of history. I used to be on staff here at church, um, assistant pastor for nine years. And I worked out, I've preached about 120 times in our church, which blew me away when I actually realised it. Some of that was um, in two services. So I do the same thing at 9 and 11. But I haven't preached for two and a half years, and I'm a little bit nervous. Come on. <laughs> There's three things. A, a little, little bit of nerves. There's also a lot of fire because God's put something in my heart. And also I'm like a wound up spring because I've been dying to do this for a very long time. So, uh... so watch out. But I'm really expecting that God's got something for us today. And who's got the YouVersion app? You've already seen a little blurb about what today's about, probably. But we, we hear a lot about faith. And when we talk about faith, we get these pictures in our minds of these supernatural feats, these great men and women of God who persevere through incredible circumstances. But I want to bring us back to a very elementary question. What is faith? What is it? We all want it, we all talk about it, but what is it? So if you're taking notes today, I, I like usually to preach like a three-point sermon because they, they're easy to follow, but this is more of a journey as to where we're going to arrive, so the points will be a little bit harder to discern, but it'll be progressive. So what is faith? Well, if I look at my dictionary, or dictionary.com, it says that it's confidence or trust in a person or thing, or belief that is not based on proof. Now, I don't like those definitions, so I'm going to go to a definition in the Bible, in the book of Mr. Barista. Who knows that book? Hebrews. Get it? Oh, look. Yeah, look. That's right. That will warm into it, okay? The book of Hebrews, you'll never see it the same again. Hebrews 11, verse 1. In the NIV, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So this says, now faith is. So it's giving us a definition of faith. But I want to look at the, uh, the King James Version because I like the words that it use, uses here. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what is a substance? A substance is something of which a thing consists. It, what, makes, what makes up a thing? So if I've got a book, the substance of this is paper, right? Paper makes up a book. You could, some people say, well, what about words? Yeah, but what if it's a picture book? Oh, gotcha. What about porridge? What makes up porridge? Rolled oats. 
Rolled oats is the substance of porridge. Without that, it's not porridge. It's just milk and water and sugar. The substance of wine is grapes. The substance of music is pitch and rhythm. They're the, the things of which those, those other things are consisted of. So if, if we're looking at what a substance is, then I want to ask this in relation to faith. If this verse says that faith is the substance, can we just leave that verse up there for a bit, Jake? Thanks. If faith is the substance, what is it the substance of? What is the object? If faith is the rolled oats, then the things hoped for is the porridge. I want you to remember my sermon, that's why I use something a bit odd like porridge. So, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So now we need to understand, well, what are the things hoped for? So the things hoped for, they're hoped for because we don't have them yet. They're things that we desire, things that we want, but we don't yet have them. Because if, if I have a watch on my wrist, I do not have any hope of getting a watch. I don't need hope because I've got a watch. You right? You following me? I'm going to ask that a few times. Are you following me? Because I don't want to lose anyone on this trip. Right? But we hope for things that we do not have. We might hope for a certain career. We might hope for a financial breakthrough. We might hope for a relationship to be restored. We might hope for some sort of healing from injury or from illness. But we don't have it yet, and that's why it's a hope. You with me? So these are the things that we hope for. So I want to ask you, what are you hoping for today? What are the things that you're really wanting to see come into fruition, but it's not here yet? You can't lay eyes on it, you can't feel it, but you're really hoping for it. So let's move on to this verse. I want to skip to the last bit of this. So it's also the evidence of things not seen. So some things are real but invisible, like the air around us. Who believes that air exists? Who's seen it? No, we've seen the wind. You can see the wind, the effects of the air. But the wind is just proof that air pressure and air particles exist. You following me? But it's invisible. But what I want to look at is some things are not seen because they're in your imagination. They're in your mind. For example, a business idea. I could have a, a plan to build an incredible building and until I, I make a prototype and I can show you this is what I think it'll look like, before that moment, it exists as an idea in someone's head. Songs exist as ideas in someone's head before an even, a note is even played, before a word is even sung. You might have a calling that God's put on your life to do something, to impact somebody. And you can't even describe it with words. Sometimes you can't even describe it with pictures. It's just something that exists in your imagination, in your mind's eye of what God's called you to do. You're like, I just don't know how to put it into words. But it's there. Anyone following me? Other things that we don't see, healing, deliverance, provision, 
We can see provision in our mind's eye of what that provision looks like. But we can't see it in the flesh yet. In 2 Corinthians 5.7, it says, We live by faith and not by sight. So I just want to go back to that, um, that Hebrews 11. I want you to notice something that this doesn't say. It doesn't say that faith is the evidence of things that do not exist. It says it's the evidence of things not seen. So things in your mind are not things that don't exist. They're just things that we can't see. But they exist. You follow me? So we live by faith and not by sight. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7. What's it mean by we don't live by sight? It's talking about the things that we can't see in the natural. The things that we can't see with our physical eyes. The things that our senses can't lay hold of and say it's real. But there's a spiritual reality. There's a spiritual eyesight. When we live by faith and not by sight, we're not living by what our senses say is real. We're living by what our spirit sees as real. Are you with me? I need a bit of encouragement this morning. I'm going to get fired up. This is only my introduction. No, it's all right. This is, this is it. So faith is spiritual sight. It's seeing with the eyes of your spirit. Seeing in your mind the things that are not yet tangible to your natural senses. You know, this year has been a real faith journey for Narelle and I. I really had it on my heart to finish some Bible college this year. And having just finished 18 months, 17 months of travelling around Australia, where we didn't work at all, it was a big ask because we're sort of starting with nothing. We've got no house, no jobs, nothing. But we believed God that that's what he was calling us to do. And so Narelle believed it was the right thing as well. So together we're like, we're just going to have to trust God to provide. And we, had, we didn't know how that provision was going to look, but we'd start walking. And God provided us with work. So I didn't even have to get Oz study. We've, um, we paid cash for my course, which was a, a big undertaking, but I hate debt. And we thought, let's trust God. I'm not knocking all study, okay? This is my conviction. I just hate being in debt. And we've seen God come through, and we're, I'm five days from finish, finishing my course. I'm very excited. But I'm also very tired. <laughs> but we've seen his provision. But we could see it first in our mind's eye as what we wanted God to do. And then we had to start walking and see it come into tangible, something tangible, money in the bank, and provision through the year. Okay, let's just look at the, the fourth part of this verse, is the evidence. The evidence of things not seen. It's the proof of something, the conviction about something. So wind is proof about air particles and air pressure. But faith, the proof of faith, it's like it's a deep knowing inside that something is true, that you, something you're convicted about and you can't often put into words and it doesn't make sense, but it's a knowing inside. In Romans 4.17, we read, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Now this verse is referring to Abraham. 
And Abraham had an incredible journey of faith. At one point, God told him to look out at the land. And he said, all of this land is yours. But he didn't yet own a single grain of sand. God told him he was going to have a son. But he's in his 90s. The Bible says his body was as good as dead. But yet God said, you are going to have a son. But then after giving him that promise, God says, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham meaning the father of many nations. But he didn't have a son. Because God called those things which were not. His descendants were not yet. But he called them as though they were and said, you are father of many nations, even though you don't have a child. God calls those things that are not as though they were. That's what faith is. God's demonstrated faith to us. Our God speaks to our hope that is not seen in the natural, but it's seen in the spiritual, and calls it a reality today through a conviction and evidence which we call faith. Another example, Jake, can you just throw this picture up here? On our travels around Australia, we had this uh, moment where we were in... um, Lake Hart. Anyone know where Lake Hart is? Sort of near Roxby Downs on the way to Coober Pedy. And we were camped there and we had all our bikes on the back of the camper trailer and one of the things we really wanted to do was to ride our bikes around Ayers Rock because it's a lot quicker than walking. <laughs> and we like bikes. So when we were at Lake Hart, we were just, I can't remember what we're actually doing, but I actually heard this sound. And Jaden's bike had lost all the air out of one of the tyres for no, no reason. And it was right near the valve. It wasn't something we could fix. What's more, his bike had 24-inch wheels, not your usual like 26 or your 700s for cyclists that know what I'm talking about. Anyway, a more uncommon size wheel. And I looked on my phone and there is no bike shop in Cooper Pedy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's a surprise. Where, where would you ride? I mean, what would you do? And so there was nowhere to actually get the bike fixed before, before uh, Ayers Rock. And so we were like, you know, God, you, you're actually the instigator of this trip because it wasn't just our idea. God actually confirmed to us that this was what we needed to do. And we said, God, you're going to have to provide for us. But we thank you that, you know, you haven't let us down and we believe that you will provide for us. So then we get to this little spot called Ingo Bar Rest Area, and this is what we could see. As you can see, oh, hang on, just go back a bit, go back a bit. This is where the bike shop is. No, there's no bike shop there, it's desert. We're in the outback. Okay, take the next, next picture. So, so we pull up here, and there's this bike sitting next to a bin. This bike has no seat. It's got broken pedals, a buckled wheel, The handlebars are twisted, but it had a back wheel that's 24 inch and full of air. So, pull out the bike kit and it's like, well, it's obviously next to the the skip bin for a reason. And so God provided us a 24 inch tube and we could ride around Ayers Rock. So... 
God is true. When we, when we pray, things happen. When we believe and don't doubt, things happen. So now I want to just take a little bit of a different journey with where we've gone. Thanks, Jake. You can get rid of the bike because it doesn't work. Now we put up a racer that works. That'd be good. So if we've looked at what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But you know, there are other people in other faiths that have faith, other religions that have faith. There are people that don't believe anything, but they can have faith that things will happen. They see it come to pass. They can have faith that they're going to get this job and they get it. This might be a bit controversial, but faith is not something supernatural. It should be normal for us as human beings because we're created in the image of God. Now, that's a whole other subject we'll touch another time. Faith should be the norm, not the exception. But I want to ask this question, then what is Christian faith? What's the difference between faith and Christian faith? So to understand this, we need to look back at our, our very first verse. Can we go back to that Hebrews 11.1 1 again? You're going to have this memorised by the end of the day. If faith is the substance, our Christian faith is the substance of things hoped for, then what are the things that we hope for as Christians? Now, yes, there is a level where we, we, we hope for breakthrough, we hope for healing, we hope for deliverance, we hope for that job, we hope for that relationship to be restored. But I'm saying what is the core, the fundamental under all of that that we hope for? Now, this isn't a fundamental list, but let me give you a few things. In Matthew's 12, Matthew 12, 21 and 1 Peter 1, 3, you don't have to put these verses up, don't hunt for them, Jake. It says that in Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise. In Galatians 5, 5, we have righteousness in Christ. In Acts 23, 6, we have a future hope for the resurrection of the dead, that this life's not just over when we die. In Titus 3, 5 to 7, a hope for eternal life and the inheritance of the saints. In Titus 2, 11 to 14, the hope for the return of Christ, that Jesus is coming again. This is part of our hope. In 1 John 3, 2 to 3, the transformation into the likeness of Christ. This is something we hope for, but we're not there yet. In 1 Timothy 4.10, we have the hope for salvation of God. And 1 Timothy 1.1, the hope is simply Christ himself. These, and this is an exhaustive list. This is the core of our Christian faith. This is the hope that we have. That it's not all about now, it's not all about what we see, it's not all about this world. There is a hope for something eternal, for a salvation that we're still coming to achieve in its fullness. We receive salvation when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, which some of you might want to do at the end of this meeting. Then it says that we are saved. But this salvation is only fully realised when we're with him, when every tear is wiped away. When we see him face to face. Are you following me? This is, this is the hope that we have as Christians. And this hope as a Christian, it's not wishful thinking. It's not like, oh, I hope this is going to happen. It's a confident expectation. In Hebrews 6, 19 to 20, it says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. See, if we have these things that are hope, this eternal destiny, then we can go through anything here on earth because no one can take this hope away. 
this hope is sure. Do I hear an amen? Are you, are you following me? Do you believe it or am I just ranting? We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. And our present joy now is based on a future joy. Something that cannot come to nothing and cannot be taken away. In 1 Peter 1, 8 to 9, it says, Though you have not seen him, who here has seen Jesus in the flesh? I'm really keen. <laughs> if I see a hand, I'm going to come and talk to you. It says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Who loves Jesus? But you haven't seen him. So though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the reason we can have joy now as Christians is because we know there's a future joy as well. And that's why we can go through anything. There's a theological principle called the now and not yet. Like I said, with salvation, we experience salvation now in Christ, but it's only in its fullness, not yet. It's still to come. Are you with me? All right. So I want to just shift now. If we've looked at what, Christian, what faith is and what Christian faith is, what does faith look like? This is where it starts getting exciting. Well, it's already exciting for those that like to think, but now it's a little bit more experiential. So I want to tell you about three little uh, passages. In Luke 8, 42 to 48, don't turn there, I'm just going to talk about these three very quickly. There's a woman with an issue of blood, and she needs healing from Jesus, and there's a really tight pack of people around Jesus, and she just can't get close. But she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she does. She pushes in, and she touches him, and she's healed. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you because she had faith in what Jesus could do. You with me? Yes. A paralytic man in Luke 5, 18 to 20. Again, the house is full of people. Jesus is preaching. And this paralytic man needs to get healed, but there's no way he can get close enough. And so his friends say, oh, no, we'll do. We'll climb up on the roof, pull the roof apart, lower him through the roof right to where Jesus is. Then he'll see him. And so they do. And Jesus heals the man. And it says that when Jesus saw their faith, because they had faith in what Jesus could do. In Mark 10, 46 to 52, we hear of blind Bartimaeus sitting by the side of the road. He's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm cutting all these stories very short, okay? If you want to read the full parables, you do that later on. And so... Jesus comes up to blind Bart and heals him. And he says, go, your faith has healed you. Because he had faith in what Jesus could do. Right, you got that? Yeah. Faith in what Jesus could do. But now I want to look at two passages here. Matthew 15, 22 to 28. A Canaanite woman, got this one, yep. Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him. Now realize the Canaanites and the Jewish people did not get along. They had some very derogatory terms they call each other, one of the lowest being to call them a dog. Okay? But this was part of the culture. 
Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, he's not calling her a dog, but he's using a common reference of how the Jewish and Canaanite people would talk about each other. And, and that Jesus' call was to talk to the Jewish people, not to the Gentiles at this point. And she replies, yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. So what made her great, fa her great faith? Her faith great. Well, she didn't just believe in what Jesus could do. She believed and put faith in who Jesus was. And she called him Lord. She referenced him as her master. She was putting faith in Jesus, not just in his actions. Well, look at Luke 7. Uh, we'll cut this one a bit short, but the Roman centurion here, he's got a, a sick servant. He wants his servant to be healed. And let's pick up from uh, verse 4. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnest, earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this, as in to heal his servant, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Notice that everyone else was coming to Jesus to be healed. He said, say the word and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Because this centurion didn't just have faith in what Jesus could do. He had faith in who Jesus was. You get the difference? I'm not saying it's one or, it's got to be both. That we're not just coming to God saying, this is what I want you to do for me, but we have an underlying faith in who Jesus is. In Hebrews 12.2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I'll just give one more example from, uh, from our little trip we did, little trip being 17 months, but at the very start of this trip, I found it very difficult to embrace our lifestyle. We had never camped in our lives, and we're embarking on this trip with a camper trailer. I mean, some people would say that's stupid or ignorant or naive, I don't know, but for us, it was obedience to what God called us to do. God didn't say do it in a camper trailer, that was just how we could do it. But our holidays previously comprised of a very well-planned holiday. We always planned our accommodation and what we were going to do. And so it took all the variables out of it. 
because I'm a very planned sort of guy, very systematic. I like to know how things are going to work. And so now we're on this trip, and every night it's, where are we going to stay? And I'll tell you what, the, I, I was really edgy that first few weeks because it stressed me out. Where are we going to stay? What if there's no room for us? What if we can't find a spot near the side of the road? Or we got to Lake Hart and God provided the last spot amongst about 100 different caravans and everything. But there's a little bit that we could just fit in with our camper trailer. But it stressed me out. And what I learned over those first few weeks turned into something I had to continue to live over that whole time is to trust God. To have faith that he would provide that even though it didn't, I couldn't see how it would work out, my faith wasn't so much in what he could do, but my faith was in him, that I trust him, Jesus, that he would provide for us, and he did. We never slept in the car once. We came close, but we didn't. <laughs> okay, let's, let's speed this up a bit. How do we live by faith? There, I mean, there are so many aspects to how we live by faith, and and some of these things formed the original message I had in my heart, but I just felt God wanted to go in a different direction. So we could preach a message on each one of these, on, on what you see. You can develop your faith by changing what you see in your mind with your spiritual eyes. We've really touched on that today. Changing what you believe. Faith is about what you say. It was about a month or two back, Pastor Bruce preached a great, a great message about the words of our mouth. That's part of our profession of faith. Faith is about what you do. Again, it's a huge message. All these things deserve time, but not now. But ultimately, living by faith requires us to read the Word of God. If we want to live a life of faith, we've got to get the Word of God into us. In Romans 10, 16, oh, let's just go straight to 17. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So if we want faith to build up in our lives, we have to be hearing the word of God. We have to let it take root in our hearts, meditate on it, let it grow. I want to notice something very specific here, though. It's not just about hearing the word. It's not just about reading it. There's something extra that we need to do. And we can see it here in Hebrews 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, they being the Israelites. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. When we're establishing faith in our lives by reading the Word and getting it into us. It's not just about memorizing it. It's not just about a habit of reading it. It's about applying faith to it. It's combining the Word with faith that's going to cause an effect. Are you with me? So we need to make sure we mix faith with our, our reading of the Word, our faith with the promises that we get from His Word. But if we simply have faith in what Jesus would do for us, this is, this is a, a big question. You ready for this? Who here has got faith that things are going to work out all right for, for whatever circumstance? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to underscore that at all. This is a, just a different angle we have to consider this morning because God laid it on my heart. 
if we simply have faith in what Jesus will do for us, then what happens if the things that we hope for don't come to pass? I'm all for living by faith, and I'll continue to live by faith, but what happens when, when I've got a sickness or an illness and I'm believing God for that breakthrough and it doesn't happen? What happens when I'm believing God for that financial breakthrough and it doesn't happen? When I'm believing God for that relationship to be restored, but it doesn't get there? What do I do with my faith? Because our faith needs to be anchored in a secure hope, a future hope of our salvation, of eternity. So this is the core of our faith. And where we often can slip up is by putting all our faith in an outcome for what we're believing for instead of the faith in the one who provides it. Faith in Christ and in who he is, not just what he can do. Because if, if for some reason in his sovereignty those things don't happen... We still need to have this underlying foundation of faith in Christ for our future hope. I just want to touch one last thing before we finish. The book of Hebrews. I've used a lot of verses from Hebrews today. It's, I've been studying this book in the last month and it, it's changed me a lot because we always go to Hebrews 11 as the faith chapter without understanding the full context of what this is all about. The book of Hebrews was written to some Jewish Christians, and most people believe they were in Rome. And these Christians in Rome in AD 49, there was a ruler in Rome called Claudius, and Claudius was an interesting man, and there was a persecution of the Christians then. They were imprisoned, they were humiliated, they had their properties confiscated, and many were expelled from the city. Not a good day. But over the next 15 years, many of these Christians, as things settled down a bit, they moved back into Rome. And they come back and they've got their properties again, they've got their life again. And they still remember these former days of how hard it was. Then in AD 64, there's a new man in control called Nero. And I don't know any history buffs know about the fire of Rome. Massive fire in Rome, went through 13 districts of Rome, totally wiped out three districts. Nero was not popular, he wasn't even in Rome at the time, but he needed a scapegoat. And so he blamed the Christians. And so now these guys that have moved back into Rome are faced with new challenges. No longer is it just imprisonment, losing property and getting expelled. Now it's torture. Now it's death. And Paul is writing, well, not the writer of Hebrews, which could be Paul, but could not be. The writer of Hebrews is saying, don't give up your faith. Don't go back to the Judaism that you were from, where you, you believe all the rituals and everything. And you came out of that and you got saved. Don't go back to that just because that's accepted by Rome and you're not going to get persecuted. Don't walk away from your faith. You need to persevere through it, through thick and thin. Hold fast, he says, the profession of your faith. Stand firm, he says. Because in tough times, they need this underlying foundation that is a faith in Christ with a hope in eternity that cannot be taken away by any obstacle that we find right now. 
And I want to finish with this little passage from Hebrews 11, from verse 32. It says, And what more shall I say? After we've just talked about you know, 30 verses of the heroes of faith. I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets who through faith they conquered kingdoms. That's faith. They administered justice. They gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. These are incredible feats of faith. But what if we keep reading? Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Today, I want us to lay a correct foundation. I want us to shift our faith. Can I have the worship team up? I want you to stand with me just as I finish up here. You know, I don't mind if not all of this sinks in, but if God's given you one thing to act on, one thing to shift in your life, that's enough to transform your life. And some of us here today might need to shift our faith in the things that we're believing God for in our lives. Maybe we've just been wishfully thinking, wishfully hoping that they would change, wishfully hoping for a breakthrough, but we haven't mixed it with faith. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just close your eyes. I want you to think right now, if there's a challenge in front of you, a challenge in front of you that's, that's daunting, that you just can't see a way through, And you know the only way that you're going to get through that is if God intervenes. You need to mix faith into that situation. I want you to just just raise your hand here. I just want to pray with you this morning. So you shift your faith, not just wishfully hoping, but an expectation that God's going to come through. God, you see these hands. God, you are our confidence. You are our sure foundation. God, we just pray today as we bring these situations before you. God, we just pray for a shift in them. We we believe, God, that you will come through. We believe that you will break through. We believe that you will heal. We believe that you will deliver. We believe, God, that you'll provide. God, we believe that you'll make a way, that you'll show us the way forward. So God, I just pray that right now you would meet each one of these needs, Lord, as we don't just bring our need to you, but we bring our faith to you. We rise in faith, God, to see you move. And we're going to persevere in faith until we see it come to pass. God, just speak out breakthrough. God, touch these people this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. We're believing you, God, for breakthrough. Now, I just want to address a second group today. I've talked about these two different levels of faith. 
not levels as in one's better than the other, but there's a faith for things and there's a faith in Christ. This underlying faith. And some of us have put our faith into particular outcomes and forgotten the underlying faith in Christ and it's been rocked when we haven't seen things come through the way that we've wanted them to. We haven't seen the breakthrough, we haven't seen the healing and we've allowed it to shake the foundation of our faith but we're encouraged in Scripture to stand secure in this hope and this faith. If that's you, why don't you lift your hands? I want to pray with you this morning. If you need to shift your faith back to that foundation that can't be moved, God, for those of us that need to re-establish that foundation, that through thick and thin, we hold on to this hope in eternity that enables us and empowers us to walk through anything now. God, I just pray that you'll restore to us the hope of our salvation, the hope that can't be taken away, the hope that's an anchor for our souls. And God, I just pray you'd give us a, a new conviction, a new passion to stand firm through anything that life throws to us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. And just finally, if you've never received Christ, you, you, you don't know what it is to have a hope that can't be taken away because the Bible says all we need to do is believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths, that Jesus is Lord and we will be saved. Saved from what? We'll save from all sorts of things. But saved to what? Saved to eternal life. Saved to life in Christ. Saved to a love that's beyond anything else you could imagine. If this morning you need to give your life to Christ and you'll know, as I've been talking this morning, the Holy Spirit will have been just stirring you up. If you know you need to give your life right, give your life to God today and get right with God why don't you be brave and put up your hand I want to pray with you is there anyone today you say I want to get right with God thank you is there anyone else this morning you want to take hold of this hope that can't be taken away let's just pray God we just thank you for those that respond today, God. We thank you for the assurance of salvation that comes through faith in Christ. And Jesus, we acknowledge that what you did on the cross, when you laid down your life as a sacrifice, you took our punishment upon yourself and laid for us a foundation for eternal life and life in Christ. God, we, we walk into that today. We accept what Christ did on the cross. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, we praise your name. Praise your name, God. Lord, as we go out from this place today into the rest of our week, Lord, we don't want to just be moved by the things happening around us we want to move the things around us in faith walking boldly in what you've called us to live so God I pray that you go with each one of us into this week that we be lights for you and we live our lives for you in Jesus name
Amen.